Erickson, and we're live. All right. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Time and Place, the gospel conversation show where we discuss faith on the fringes and do our best to apply God's word to God's world. I'm Solomon. This is Julian. Yep. And today we're going to talk about heresy hunting and division among the church. But first, Julian, what the heck is going on in the world today? Well, my dreams have been answered, I hope, if it comes true. Uh, I don't know if you saw this week. One of Rogan's first podcasts, he had Tim Kennedy on, and they started talking about the presidential debates, which I yeah. hate the presidential debates. They're the worst. They're they're barely a debate. It's more like an antagonistic interview. So, yeah. so Rogan said the solution was for him to moderate it in his studio, Trump and Biden, Four hours, no guests, no nothing else, just the two of them hashing out the issues. Yeah. Which I that I would pay to see that. Yeah. Uh that'll never happen. Because <laughs> 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 uh, it'd be too good. It'd be too great. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that Tim Kennedy episode too. Um yeah. Hey, doesn't Tim Kennedy remind you of Jeff Durbin? Do you think because he's a martial artist and a gun nut? Well, just his a- face, just like his like <laughs> surprise look all the time, and just like intense, like you know what I mean? That's yeah, CTE. It's his Hawaiian shirt, <laughs> all the yeah. time. Oh, the Hawaiian shirt was great. I love how he brought them both guns. That was the best part. Hey, there's no better way to welcome someone to Texas right? than buy them a gun, especially <laughs> from them. a former UFC fighter, special yeah. ops, army ranger. I, I like one of the comments. Uh, it was like. Tim Kennedy reading the Constitution. Joe Rogan, these cigars smell great. <laughs> it's like that is a Joe Rogan episode. <laughs> and then someone was like, hugs. We hug Jamie. The hugs and guns. And I love Texas. That's Texas. Hugs and guns. <laughs> In the middle of a quarantine. <laughs> Pandemic. Yeah, that debate. Um, so do you remember about like during the, like, I guess it was last year, beginning of this year, seems like 10 years ago, but with the Democratic campaign, they're all debating, and they were talking about Joe Rogan. There was a petition for Joe Rogan to uh, uh, moderate the Democratic debate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I remember, like, at the time, him talking about it, and the only thing he said was, it'll never happen. Just like I said, like, right now, it'll never happen. Uh, He didn't say he didn't want to. He didn't say he would say no. You know, he didn't say whatever. But... Yeah, I, honestly, I could actually. I, I want to see what you thought about this. Do you think Donald Trump would go on Joe Rogan's show just as like an interview, like a guest? I I think, but for, I think so for the publicity. Because uh, let's not forget the man was in the WWE, right? Like for the for so they have that background in martial yeah, arts. Right. Sure. <laughs> for publicity, he'll do anything. But I think <laughs> it would be good, man. Because like, you know, whatever you feel about Donald Trump. Yeah, Rogan has a tendency to humanize people when he has them on his podcast. Mm-hmm. Like they're on for so long, whatever persona or facade they have kind of just falls down because yeah. you, you can't keep up an act for three hours. Yeah, and, and you got Jamie fact checking you every second. Like, yeah, if, yeah. If you tell a story. If you say something, it's like we're gonna look it up. It's gonna pop up on the screen. <laughs> and I mean, he's done yeah. like the Comedy Central roasts and stuff before, so I feel like he he'd go for it. That's right. Yeah, I, I was talking to somebody. They were like, I, you know, he he would. Because Trump spins a lot, he's he's always lying, always oh, like yeah. you know. But it's but you know, I, I think it, given enough time, it's a, the, the the time is a big deal. If you got three hours, and 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 Joe Rogan, yeah, like he'll 
he'll disagree with you. He'll, you know, speak objectively. And that's what I was, when somebody asked me, like, what, what do you, what do you like about Joe Rogan's show? Like, what, what do you like? And I, I said, he's as dumb as me on these topics, <laughs> you know, or, or dumber. Uh, and, 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 but he gets to talk to like scientists and yeah. all, you know, Jack Dorsey, like all these things, people for, for three hours, you know? And so it's like, that's great. That's kind of like me doing that. Cause I'm asking the same dumb questions he would. And you know what I mean? Or like somebody says something, he doesn't just pretend like he knows what they were talking about. He's like, well, right. what is that? Well, what do you mean? He's not afraid to look dumb. He's not afraid to look stupid. And just like, I don't know what that is. And then just, they're like, Oh, and then they have to explain something they just glossed over. You Which know? That's, that's actually perfect for a politician. Cause that's what they do is gloss over things exactly. and hope you don't ask. Exactly. Questions. exactly. They're just used to the sound bits on the whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, but it actually have like a real human conversation. That'd be very interesting. I could see Trump doing it. I mean, he talked to freaking Bob Woodward, you know, <laughs> again, I don't know why, like Bob, Bob Woodward has this series of books, just like exposing the white house. He had that one first one called fear in 2018. Now he has this one called rage. And it's like, what, you know, what's, what's next? Like anger, <laughs> anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering <laughs> for the dark side. That's what he's exposing in the white house. I think, I think Trump kind of talking to him. I don't know why he's, Trump, he's talking to him. And then he talked to like George Stephanopoulos today. Like Trump, what, what because, are you talking? All these people hate you because he has so much. He's like Trump understands. It's all man. It's all pro wrestling. That's what it, it's all. It's all kayfabe. Like he gets he's it. A, no, he's the heel, right? He's yeah, the, it's he, heat. He's getting heat, and any any heat yeah, is good heat. Yeah, it's his whole life. He's just whole life is just a big wrestling oh, ring. Sure. WWE. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts, dude. Also today, I saw. I heard. Uh, I heard uh, Ben Shapiro is moving the Daily Wire out of California yes. to Nashville. Yes, I saw that too, dude. Everybody's leaving California. It's nuts. I didn't like that's Joe Rogan, Ben Shapiro. Like everybody is leaving. It's nuts. I didn't realize how bad it is there. You know, I guess it is well, burning. Yeah. Down. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine somebody with like Rogan's money, or yeah. I don't know how much money Shapiro has, but I'm sure he's comfortable. Millions. But, I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. You have that much money, and you're seeing like your city burn down, your power's going out. There's just human feces on the streets everywhere you go. Yeah, why would you stay? It's nuts, man. Well, Ben Shapiro's family—he he spent his whole life there. He grew up there. Yeah, and his parents are there. His wife's family's there. You know, and I was—I didn't think he would actually ever leave Los Angeles just because it's like you know his hometown. But I guess it just got that bad. It's like. I saw someone and they're like, it's the opposite of the gold rush. <laughs> All the gold is turned to lead. Everybody's out. <laughs> I said, Go east, young man. <laughs> Go west, young man. Yeah, Ben Shapiro said, yeah, we're leaving. He's like, I didn't need those signs and wonders from God. I'm burning down. <laughs> he, said, he said, Michael knows better not look back as we leave. We'll turn into a pillar of salt. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that's so funny yeah that's crazy man everybody's leaving california uh, friends are saying that people who like grew up there and have friends there are all like we're out of here we're, yeah, it's that uh, bad it's not they're like over. they're like still in lockdown i guess like, like how real lockdown yeah like like can't get a haircut can't you do anything unless that's you're a politician crazy. then it's okay apparently. i know right that was nuts <laughs> you, you throw the salon owner <laughs> it was under a the setup. bus it was a setup <laughs> Set up. You're here, Ben Shapiro, uh, like mimic her, like mock her. Oh. <laughs> it's kind of bad. It's kind of I'm crossing the line. He does his like dentures thing. He's like, oh, that was a sap. 
<laughs> so mean. I mean, yeah, but also she's a thousand years old. Yeah, have you seen footage of her like from the nineties? No. Man, she's like with it, like freaking Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Like she's I mean that was Biden. On a tirade. Yeah. I know, yeah, that's weird too. You see that video of him talking about like his brain surgery or whatever? No. He had he said he had like two brain aneurysms or something. And they like cut his head open and like squished around with his mind grapes. They put and, a different brain in. It's like a yeah. They left a they left a sponge in there. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna sneeze one day and be like ah. shoot out. <laughs> the medical supplies are gonna come and pull out a doctor's glove out of his nose. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> then they'll be with it. Don't be like I'm ready. They'll be ready to go again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh that's what's going on. Oh. So anyway, that's what's going on in the world today. It's so much to keep up with. I'm not on social media anymore, so I don't ever know like what's happening or what's going on. So I still get I get Twitter alerts whenever anything happens. So I still have like that's how I saw Shapiro was moving. It came up on my yeah. I was always listening to Shapiro at night. He comes on at like twelve or one or something. But I always just wait till like the evening. I'm doing dishes or something and listen. And I heard I was like, oh my god, he's leaving. Oh, that's crazy. I was watching uh, this. I thought it was gonna come here. And oh like, man, oh, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, to, it it sounds a lot like the book we're reading, which segues into our next. Uh, yeah, you want to announce that now? Yeah, I think so. I think it's worth announcing. All right, go for it. So we announced last week that we're uh, starting the publication. So again, free to anybody who wants it. All you got to do is send it to the email. One of the things that we wanted to do with it was do reviews, right? We feel like there's not enough Christian engagement with the culture intelligently. You know, it's always like this is trash or this is great. And usually there's no nuance to it. So we wanted to review books, um, CDs, no, not CDs, I guess albums, CDs. If you're okay, old man. <laughs> yeah, I still buy CDs, guys. Okay, boomer. <laughs> we wanted to you know, review everything that comes out. And one of the things that came out this month and I picked up was Doug Wilson's new novel called Ride Sally Ride. So I finished reading it pretty quick in a couple of days. Solomon's working his way through it right now. Really good. Highly recommend, but I'm not going to say too much because we are going to write a review. Uh, but with that, one of the things that's going to be in the first issue of Timestamp Magazine is an interview with Doug Wilson about the novel. So <laughs> if you, I know a lot of people have opinions about Doug Wilson, positive and negative. We're big Wilson boosters here. We, we think he's great. So it's kind of mind blowing for us to be able to interview him about one of his novels. <sighs> That's nuts, dude. <laughs> Solomon didn't believe me when I told him the first time. It was like midnight and, and Julian texts me. Hey, uh, are you, you, you're like, oh, by the way. Yeah. I was, you didn't even check if I was sitting down. Or anything, <laughs> just like oh, I emailed Christchurch and talked to someone, and we got an interview with Doug Wilson. And I'm like, what? What? Who is? Who is this? <laughs> um, yeah, and he showed, he forwarded me the emails and stuff, and and then he like, called. Oh, like, like, what's it wasn't enough to. I, I call. I called you. I called you. I was like, what? Are you crazy? And so, yeah, it was nuts. Yeah. So, so yeah, I can't. I can't believe it, dude. Like, hey, just go show. It doesn't hurt to ask. Right. It never like, hurts to ask. Yeah. And I mean, pen, so yeah, pending any 2020 shenanigans. Right. 
mishaps, craziness, if the world's still here in, you know, a couple of weeks, <laughs> then yeah, we will be interviewing. So he'll be on video. Uh, we'll have him on a zoom call. Uh, but the interview itself will be in the first issue of timestamp magazine. So right. if you guys are curious about that, all you gotta do is email us for a free copy and you can hear Wilson in his own words. Uh, because I'm getting questions of who to email for the, for the, let me write what, that what, what email to send it to for a copy of the magazine. Yes. Let me give you the actual email. Cause I wrote it down. Cause I am prepared. Nice. I'm going to put it up on the screen one more time, but it is time and stamp zine. Not time and stamp. I'm sorry. Time stamp. I think <laughs> time and place. It's time to play with the putting it on the screen. Timestamp zine at gmail.com. So all you have to do is drop us a line with your address. Make sure you put your address in because if you don't, it's not going to help to say I want one if we don't know how to get it to you. Yeah. So please put your mailing address and we'll send you a copy. No charge. We're even discussing possibly, you know, depending what the numbers look like, sending you more than one copy so you can give one to somebody else you think might be interested. Uh, we want to kind of grow the audience in that way. And, and again, this yeah. is the, the magazine is, is is kind of an attempt to these are not going to be like scholarly articles or amazing. Like neither of us have a journalism degree. Neither of us have any like significant experience in uh, journalism or publication or magazine or editing or anything like that. So uh, this is going to be the time and place in magazine form, basically yes. kind of like what we, we do with the podcast, the ideas and things we discuss and things we, we research and look up and kind of just talk about uh, in magazine form because as, as like for me at least intentionally an alternative to social media and an attempt to a better way to communicate and that kind of maybe that might kind of segue into our topics mm. for tonight uh, as right. far as heresy hunting mm. uh, speaking of social media um, and uh, division among the church uh, so that's kind of our big topics tonight is, is heresy hunting and division among the church um, so Julian what is heresy hunting so the way we define first, I want to show you this picture because this is what started me thinking about heresy hunting in the first place. Mm, kind yeah. of the the opener. Let me uh oops, not that one. There we go. Pop this up on the screen so you all can see this. So this was from Darren Doan, uh filmmaker out in Moscow. If you haven't watched his stuff, watch his stuff. Uh Collision is great. Collision uh, is amazing. Free Speech Apocalypse is also great. Anything you worked on, if his name's on it, you're, you're gonna get a good time out of it. Collision is a is a is a documentary about a, a series of debates between our man, Douglas Wilson, <laughs> and uh the late great, I'll say late great, uh Christopher, Christopher Hitchens. A uh, prominent atheist wrote a book called God is Not Great, um, but they did a, Darren Doan did a documentary kind of following the debates between Pastor Doug Wilson and uh, Chris Richards. Awesome, awesome documentary, really crazy, awesome stuff. So he's like, what, like a multimedia producer kind of director? Yeah, he worked, in music, he worked in music videos, but documentary, yeah. films, commercials, all that kind of stuff. Hey, really cool. Check him out. But yeah, this so he posted this this week, and just I want to read the important part to kind of show you where it comes from. He was talking about the state of Christianity in 2020 and going forward. Uh, his analysis was the creeds are done, Calvinism is done, baptizing or not baptizing babies is done, the rapture is done, making fun of Kirk Cameron is done. <laughs> this is the new orthodoxy. Do you have a backbone? That's it. And I was like, huh. At first, I thought maybe he's off, but the more I thought about it, I was like, well, maybe he's not off. Maybe he's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. 
What do you think that's a response to? Like, as far you know, because it's like, okay, baptizing babies, like making fun of, like, what are you talking about? Where, where's this coming from? Who's doing that? There's well, I, people online are doing that. Yeah, like, people online. <laughs> and that's where we kind of, because heresy hunting wasn't really on my radar until uh, I really got on Instagram and started following reform people on Instagram. And, sure. you know, for me, reform people is where I see it the most, because that's who I follow. Uh, but if we want to talk about Baptists, too, it's not like it's not in you know non-reform circles. Yeah. Uh, but the ten- tendency is to accentuate the differences to the point to where nothing is adiaphora and everything is a salvation issue. What does adiaphora mean? Uh, tertiary issues, secondary things, fringe issues. So, for instance, like he mentions baptizing babies. Like uh, a Presbyterian and a Baptist disagree on baptism as far as the, the uh, mode. And who gets baptized, but not on what it represents. Neither one of us thinks it's salvific. So it's it's still a secondary issue to us. But we're at a state now on social media where nothing's a secondary issue. And I don't think just in social media. I think it's society, too. Yeah. So heresy hunting, um, kind of how that relates to heresy hunting is kind of going after those I would say more fringe issues as far as like that's heresy. Baptize infants. That's heresy because you think this and the bait, you know, Jesus was baptized as an adult and submerged. And like, so it's like, you're not following Christ. You don't follow Jesus. You're heresy. You know, and just kind of build this like case against somebody because of infant baptism or, or just, you know, a lot of things like, you know, listening to non-Christian music or, you know, just whatever it might be. Uh, I mean, the big one with the reform is if you are not reformed, if you're not a Calvinist, then you're not a Christian. And, that's not true. Like, that's right. not. Let's go on record and say that we don't hold. We that don't thing. believe that, but that's what heresy hunting is, pretty much, primarily in these reformed uh, Christian reformed um, social media pages uh, of kind of like, hey, so and so posted this, you know, uh, that means this, that means this, that means they're not Christian, and they create right. these like chains of events of like Tim Keller is not a Christian, or Matt Chandler is not a Christian. What is like, hang on. Hang on, <laughs> just hang. You know, as people, I'm, I saw people going after John Piper. Remember that one yeah. that that tweet that tweet or whatever. He said something. I can't remember what it was, but it was like, how long? How much longer are we going to listen to this heretic or something? Like, who are you, random <laughs> jag on the internet, calling John Piper a hair? Like, I, I don't even have time for you. You know what I mean? They're, they're not ridiculous. 853. That's 1689 for, for life. <laughs> <laughs> Knox, Mather. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that's heresy hunting. Yeah. Just kind of constantly looking for like what we're against. And then really like kind of what we see on social media is, is these, these pages and these groups of people getting on and then it becomes we come to font to be defined by what we're against. Yes. Right. And I, that that's, it's okay. That's not good at all. Yeah. But it, it's like that. See, even uh, Heather, that's like too inward looking, you know, it's very holier than thou. It's like, we're not even talking about, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about, it's like, you know, holier than thou, like that would have some kind of eye towards yourself. And, it doesn't. This is constantly just like looking at what everybody else is doing, and but yeah, it is that I, that attitude. Um, I yeah. think it's intentional, and in that I, I one of the I've had some communication with some people on Instagram that are kind of into that that kind of thing, and 
one of the things you'd see is when you talk to them in private, one, that kind of like bluster falls away a little bit. But two, they you kind of see that they're it seems like they're pointing the finger elsewhere to keep eyes away from their own uh, areas of weakness. So say they're not sure how they feel about Calvinism or they don't know what they think about the end times, but they don't want to say that. So let's, let's keep the focus elsewhere. Cause we don't want to pick apart my theology. Do you think is that intentional apart. of like trying to deflect from themselves? I don't think it's intentional, but I think it's a, a I think it's a defense mechanism nonetheless. Yeah. I, you know, I, yeah, we, we all, I think it's easier just to tear down than to build up. Yes. Kind of thing. So it's like I could learn more about my denomination and my perspective or my eschatology or my soteriology or whatever. But instead, I'm just going to like point to everybody else and say how they're wrong. I don't know why I'm right, but I know why they're wrong. You know, so I'm just going right. to throw rocks at that because that's fun and easier, you know. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, I think we all know too that there are the internet is like a pack of wolves. They're ready to find your weakness and just exploit it. So, you, you know, it's like the joke is you don't have to be the fastest guy in the group to get away from the bear. You just got to be not the slowest. So as long as you're not the one who's obviously deficient in some area, yeah. so just keep the focus over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, um, oh, I was going to say something. I forgot. Um, Edit point right now. You threw, you threw me off the, with the bear thing. I'm, I'm thinking about bears. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, it is kind of like, you know, thinking about like what um, like counterfeit money, right? It's that like right. you heard that analogy before of, of like right. a different gospel or like false doctrine or something, being aware of it. But how you do that is study real money. You study the real gospel. Right. You study the yes. scripture. You study the, the you know, what, what your doctrine is and what... Uh, things that you know, and then so when a false gospel comes, you'll be able to recognize it, and that's what people do. Like you know, currency fraud, uh, FBI people, they just know real money and real currency right. and real things so well that when something comes in that's that's fishy or fake, they know okay, this isn't real. This is not a real mm -hmm. check, or this is not a real dollar bill, or whatever, just because right. they study the currency so well. That's how we need to be with the gospel and with Christianity in the Bible. Is just know the Bible so well. It's like when someone when when <laughs> someone comes and tells us that they had a dream of an angel that gave them golden plates and they said <laughs> these weird stuff. It's like, uh, no, that's not, that, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> but, but I mean, that's, you're talking about doing work and that's a little bit harder. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, we were talking about how, um, sometimes it becomes defending your doctrine over defending the gospel. Like no one's, no one's opposed to defending the gospel. Let's just right. be upfront on that. Cause we've, you know, if you go back in our catalog, we've talked about Torah observance and why we think it's wrong. Uh, and I think we did it in a way that wasn't heresy hunting, so to speak. You know, we did one episode, yeah. and that was it. but you know, so no one, the defense is often, um, I have to do five at five posts a day on why Bethel church is leading people astray. Or I need to do, uh, 18 posts about why faith healing is wrong. And it's like, okay, maybe, but are you defending the gospel or are you just um, defending your doctrine? Yeah. Defending your yeah. doctrine. It's not apologetics. Like apologetics is defense of the faith. Right. right. And so it's like, you know, accusation against the existence of God or, you know, errors in or contradictions in the Bible or anything like that, that, you know, though studying for that and like how to answer that is apologetics. But studying how to answer to do different denominations or even just different perspectives on things like that's not, it's not apologetics. Like you're, 
you're defending your doctrine. But I mean, I, I could I could definitely understand how that is. I mean, that's important to me is to 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 defend the doctrine because I think I think the problem is that people see things too like like connected. Everything is connected to everything else. So it's like if someone thinks that we're we have a, a, a like a autonomous free will you know and, and like that doesn't that then they could think this and they could think this and then they could you know then they're catholic right or something you know <laughs> well I, I mean i've seen that too a lot of uh i shouldn't say a lot but some catholic people that i do follow will will point to um reform people who have become catholic mm-hmm. as like examples like see they studied it and they found they decided that this was correct and it's like well i just think they were deficient in their own belief system not so much that, that yours was so overwhelmingly true yeah, and you see that happen a lot, especially with like church history. A lot of people, a lot of like Protestant Christians, start studying church history and they realize how Catholic church history is, yes. and they and they think, oh, this is the, the original like you know founding fathers of Christianity of the church uh, were were Catholic, you know, Athanasius and like all these people. Are like, okay, so what does that mean, you know, and and. And not really understanding like how we got from Christ to the Catholic Church to the Reformation and right. to like you know different things, but um, yeah, and, and, but it's because they don't have a, a a real biblically faithful understanding of Christian history to begin with. They're not building up their own understanding of uh, Scripture of the the biblical history of this of the church, mm. and so they just start reading some other you know. Oxford church history where, you know, Dearman McCullough or something. And, and, and then like, Oh, the church is Catholic. And it's like, Oh no, it's not. So uh, I, I think one of the things that like you talked about, they don't know enough about church history, biblically speaking. Um, I think they don't know enough about orthodoxy either. And that's why we can't distinguish what's a salvation yeah. issue and what's not. So, yeah. I mean, what, what would you define as something that's worth, division over like what what's this what kind of things do we fight over that we don't need to and what kind of things should we be fighting over? um i mean a good you know starting point or like central t- point to tether on is christ mm-hmm. as far as like you know because you know one of the points like scripture points we want to talk about is uh galatians 1 8 where paul says but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. Let him be accursed. Mm. So we're talking about gospel issues, and that's Christ. And Jesus has to be Jesus, right? That's a big one, right? right. So it's like, okay, if, if someone comes preaching a different Jesus, like I would say the Mormon Church does, yes, then then okay, we need to fight. Like that's a those are fighting words. Like those, that's a that's a fighting issue because it's like Jesus is not the brother of Satan, right? right. He is not the literal offspring of Father God when one of his goddess wives in the preexistence, right? He's right. not. <laughs> so that's uh, he. He was not a man. God was not a man like us, you know. And like as 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 we are, God once was. As God is, we may become. That's a Mormon maxim. So that's wrong that's you know so who is god who is jesus that's extremely important and if we're talking about two different jesuses then then that that's an issue because mormons will come and say we believe in the same jesus we both believe in jesus like i think a lot of mormons who don't know a lot of doctrinal stuff on on their own side 
um, would say we're brothers, you know, we're, we're, we're both Christians and they, they see it as like Methodists and Baptists or something, but just kind of, kind of far, or even like Catholics and, and Protestants and, uh, Mormons, you know, and saying, no, that's way, <laughs> way wrong. <laughs> Wait, we're talking about a different Jesus. And I think that different Jesus, different God, um, I would say scriptural issues as well, as far as like, see, and that's hard too, because then, you know, it's like, well, what, is, what about the Catholic church that puts scripture or puts the authority of the church on par with scripture, mm. you know, but really actually church over scripture. Right. Over scripture. Functionally, that's what they believe. Right. So it's like, okay, well, is that uh fight words? Are those, a, mm. you know, is that a dividing line? Um, you know, I think so interesting takes on it has to be a fighting, uh, a dividing line. You know, like I mean? if, if they were to say it's not God breathed, scripture yes. is not God breathed, then that that's that's a dividing line. But Catholics would say that though, they would say it, it is God breathed. Right. What they know. wouldn't say though is it's not sufficient. They would say that because yeah, it's, not by it's, itself, right? It's not sufficient enough. Whereas you know, it, you need someone to translate it for you, and we yeah. happen to be the ones who can do that for you. Which really means they're the. Right, they're the essential, essential piece. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Why, why we should believe the church and not the Bible? Right, <laughs> I don't understand, but yeah, I mean, so and it, so it gets a little a little muddy on that, and, and I think a lot of, uh, I think a lot of Catholics are Christians despite mm. Catholic doctrine. Uh, so it's like, oh, so are you saying Catholics aren't Christian? No, that's not what I'm saying. I think. If someone really adheres to the tenets of Catholicism and and the strict doctrines of that, uh, I think they're practicing idolatry with mm. with the worship of Mary. They wouldn't call it that, but it is. It's a it's like worship light. I mean, it depends the book you're reading if they call it worship or not. Well, and it's also an issue of unrepentant sin, as far as like mm. practicing things that that are sins, like idolatry, and um, Praying to the dead, uh, things we're prohibited from in scripture from doing, and and saying it's good, and, mm -hmm. and being unrepentant of that sin—that's an issue, uh, salvation-wise. So, yeah, ignoring scripture and, and and saying things that are that scripture prohibits, saying that those things are okay and good, right. and affirming those—that's um, that's that's tough because we're all going to do things that scripture prohibits, is whether or not we see it as a repenting of that. Sin, right. you know, recognizing it for what scripture calls sin and repenting of it. I would say that's a true call to, to the true gospel in Christ and, and repentant Christian. So, yeah, man, I mean, it's hard. Like it's kind of a case by case situation, I guess, but, um, you know, bab baptism, if, if two Christians both do not believe that water say brings salvation. Okay. Well then I think we're pretty much in agreement, you know, right. this is kind of the method. Um, yeah, there's open-handed and there's close-handed, and I think that's something that gets missed a lot too. Is that, uh, especially for like independent fundamental Baptist people, this IFB movement, like which I used to, I, I think I used to be independent fundamental Baptist growing up, and we weren't, I don't, we weren't like what I see today of the IFB. Like it must have changed, and everything for IFB and fundamentalists is a closed-hand issue, right? Yes, like wearing a tie to like that's a <laughs> you're not. You Let's know, say, hang on. Um, so, if you're a woman and you're wearing pants, you're not saved. Yeah, it's like it's every, everything is. There's no categories. I think it's right. important to have categories of mm -hmm. like, look, this is salvation. This is church, you know, kind of liturgy practice practice things. 
um, that are open-handed and close-handed issues as far as that goes. But everything's, uh, there's, you gotta have categories, you right. know, and everything's a close-handed issue. You're, that's, that's a bad way to go about it because, because that, be, that, that creates true heresy hunting, mm. you know, and it's weird to see the reform people actually do that. Well, I think, and Heather mentioned this earlier, let me put her comment back on the screen. Uh, one of the reasons everything becomes a close handed issue is because there's this, this peer pressure to be part of a team or part of a side or like the, in, yeah. in some ways, what, what I think is weird about it is that it mirrors secularism. Uh, like secularism is full of heresy hunting. That's why we have like cancel culture mm. because it's like, what did you say at That's one point? Of heresy that, hunting, yeah. right? So we can, we can cast you out because you said this thing and it's not part of our orthodoxy. Orthodoxy. Yeah. We have the same thing. We just, uh, you know, we, we look at it differently, but it's, it's really not different. You can never be woke enough and you can never be reform enough. <laughs> those, both of those are true. It's so sad. It's so like, yeah, it's the same mindset. Yeah. That's but I mean, I think that's, I, it's not that surprising when you think about it because we're still, you know, fallen man. So we still have a tendency to group think and play to our audience and, you know, try yeah. up and whatnot. Um, yeah. The tribal thinking. Yeah, for sure. And I think part of the, the remedy for that, we talked about how, what we have to remember is even some of the reformers, if they were here, <laughs> wouldn't consider us brothers. Like to, <laughs> we wouldn't be reform enough for them. John Calvin would burn you at a stake for <laughs> many things. Well, there's yeah. a story that Dr. White tells about, uh, I forget the man's name, but he was held in a pit because he refused to baptize his children. Uh, he, he read the Bible for himself and decided that baptism was for professing believers only, not, you know, uh, credo as opposed to pedo baptism. Yeah. For that, the the government was like, well, no, you have to baptize your children, and that's an offense. That's a prisonable offense. So they put him in a yeah. pit, and it basically, you're staying here until you agree to baptize your children. And he wouldn't. He just refused, so he died in the pit. Uh, he died in a pit in the same castle where Luther was doing his translation of the Bible into German yeah. at the same time. So it's not like Luther was unaware of what was going on, yeah. but, he, I mean, he must not have had that much of a problem with it. He was like, well, yeah, he's not baptizing his children. I guess he's a heretic. So. Yeah. Well, in, in, again, things have to be put into categories and understanding understood in context when different uh, cultures, different countries in different times where there wasn't a like, separation of church and state wasn't like what we have it today. Like, you know, they, they were kind of like the sheriff and the bishop of a little right. town or something like a little right. village. And so it's like so these were kind of like capital offenses if they were, you know, the, like, yeah, like the church was not, you know. Wasn't a lot of lines. I mean, there. I think right. like church, separate church and state. It's a good thing. <laughs> and you know, when that and that got refined out through the Puritans over time, that idea that you you couldn't be a minister and a governor, like you weren't allowed to cross over fields like that. Yeah. And you know, I think we've lost that ethic a little bit now. Uh, we don't understand that. I, I think we make the mistake that Catholics do in a lot of ways, where they'll look at like church fathers as authoritative when it's to their doctrine. We'll look at Luther or Calvin or Zwingli as authoritative, like in the sense of almost inspired, like or the creeds, for instance. Yeah. Like, oh, you're not, you don't hold to this point in the creed. Well, then you're not reformed, right? But yeah. you know, that was an inspired text. It wasn't an inspired text, and the whole idea of the reform was to be reforming. Like, it wasn't like, okay, we've got it full and figured out right here. It's like, no, yeah. we're gonna keep working at this. Yeah. Yeah. Scripture. Um, Sola Scriptura, man. I mean, like that's it's like, oh, it's not in the Bible. It's like, but yeah, but that is the Bible. Like that's, that's our, that's our view of the Bible is like right. authority, the final word, the rule, final rule of faith. 
on that. So, uh, yeah, man, it, it's nice to have an anchor, though, of that. So then we don't just become these factions that are just like we're all wrong and stuff. Like, I think we're all I think if, if you're pointing to Scripture and I believe the Holy Spirit is working in us and, and working in our minds, working in our hearts. And yeah, I mean, like, well, how do we know we're Christians? By their love. Right. So yes. it's like, okay, not by their uh, sweet owns on Facebook, like <laughs> own, the, <laughs> own the libs or own the whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. And point. that's, you know, I wanted to go to that, that scripture too. Uh, let me put it up on here and then we'll get to that. As soon as it, whoops, I put it in the comments. Let's put it in here. There we go. Uh, I'll go ahead and read it for you. So it's in 2 Timothy 2, 23. Uh, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they read quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps, perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Um, man, is that lost in social media times. And that that's that's like, you know, grant them repentance. We're talking about people who haven't repented, like, let alone brothers, you know, right. but see, they don't see them as brothers. And that's the thing. They don't see mm. each other as like, well, if you don't uh, agree with all the certain doctrines of my denomination or, mm. or whatever, then that's it. Like you're, we're not brothers. And so you need to repent. And, but then even though don't, don't do that in gentleness and kindness. Right. And where, I mean, where did that attitude come? Cause I, you know, when I think about when I was in school, we learned about the idea the concept of Christendom, Christendom, that you know the, the kingdom of Christianity, that it was like this huge overarching thing, and, and I think that's still, in a, especially in a post millennial context, we have that idea of Christendom, like the kingdom of God is here, heavy now, and we may have differences on certain things, but like for, I, I wouldn't have a problem. I mean, I, I hope I wouldn't because we have we're having Doug Wilson on, uh, <laughs> learning from a Presbyterian, you know, or even yeah. a, a you know, I have a buddy whose whose uncle is a Pentecostal pastor. And obviously we differ on some stuff, but I wouldn't have any problem taking, you know, correction or understanding from him. What's, what's disconnecting now that we have so much division in heresy hunting. So, I mean, that, that's something we talked about before, as far as like, you know, division among the church. Cause that's kind of like what we're talking about too now is, uh, like you said, it's, it's very much like politics or, mm. you know, race or cultures and different things in America and in the world. Is uh, we have this tendency, this this human sinful tendency of like tribalism, but but again, it's not. I don't know if that's so sinful as far as like uh, like division. You know, like people say, America is more divided than it's ever been. It's like no, we're not. I mean, that's that's the dumbest thing. We had a shooting war. You know, <laughs> literally trying to become two different countries. Like we've been more divided than we are now. Like seriously. But if I think it feels more divided because we're our communication has deteriorated mm. and that's what it really comes down to civil discourse being able to agree to disagree has deteriorated i think largely because of social media mm. and and technology as far as um just being able to communicate that way uh we're, we're not as divided as we ever been it feels more divided because we're not communicating effectively with each other mm. right like the, we disagree with somebody on facebook and you go back and forth in the comment section or whatever you're you're not speaking to a person you're speaking to a, a little 
icon profile picture thing or whatever. You don't know this person is a random person in the world, random person, whatever. And you're trying to like, while you're arguing with them, while you're owning them or, or shutting them down or whatever, you're trying to figure out who they are. It's like, oh, this person is assembly of God or, oh, this person's a more yes. Oh, this person's whatever. And it's like, they'll say something and you're like, oh, you're, you believe you can lose yourself. Oh, okay. You're, you know, and so we're trying to like, piece together who they are while shutting them down on right. like right like this going like this <laughs> and it's like we're not these aren't minds connecting and talking and, and meeting and talking to each other um because if we talk to them in person there'd be more of that who are you how nice to meet you how's it going you know and you get some kind of groundwork of who the person is right now it's just like they said something opposite of me so i'm just gonna mm. go back you know boom and the, i think it is that just like anonymous feel of social media where you don't actually feel like you're talking to a real fellow image bearer of God. Mm. Right. And, and not only did, that, it would be different. You'd, you would right. speak differently. And not only an the anonymity either, but the kind of the, the, the raw, raw rabble rousing that comes with that, you know, like yeah. when you make it, when you have a slam dunk and you get all the likes on your comment and you see the thumbs up, it's like, ah, yes, I got them. I was right. Likes. Yeah. Yep. Counting likes like, oh man, I'm getting all the support or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I, I know, man. It's it's crazy. Um, it, I had that happen to me like right right before I got off Twitter. Uh, so I saw something. I forget where I saw it, but it was like a some video. Someone posted this video of a guy like uh, making fun of Ben Shapiro, mm. and it was like, oh, hey, look, you know, another example. Ben Shapiro's sparkling intellect, and they play played the video. <laughs> they play this video about how like Ben Shapiro talks about how like. The climate change people, they're, they're afraid that they're going to be drowned in 10 years. The water's going to recede over their beach house and because of climate change. And the, and, and his point was move, you know, like why don't, why don't you just move away in 10 years, you know? And, and, and then the own was sell it to who Ben Aquaman, ah, you know, and it was like this own video, like, ah, ha, ha. and all these people are like, Oh, Ben Shapiro's so stupid. And I, I, why I just, I, you know, I get, you know, I got, you got itchy. You got the trigger yeah, finger. Yeah, drew me, and I was like, "Well, this is just so stupid." It's a good point. I was like, "The point still stands. If you think your house is going to be underwater in ten years, sell your beachfront property mm -hmm. to someone who doesn't believe in climate change, or doesn't think they're going to be underwater, or whatever, or just leave the house and move. You know, like you're not going to drown in ten years of climate change, water levels rising. That's the point. That's the point he was making. Is like that people go, humanity's constantly migrating around different culture, different uh, parts of the country and different geography, depending on how the climate changes for, for thousands of years. That was the point. And I, and I mentioned that much and like you know, the point still stands, how is this an own? And, there, and instead of like, oh, this is why it doesn't make sense, whatever, they shit, they retweeted my thing into like this Ben, ben Shapiro hating group. Hey, I found someone, <laughs> I found someone even dumber than Ben Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and they're like, oh man, this is some stupid ass right here. And like, and I was like, how is it an own? Oh, the point still stands. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. I'm like, okay, it's not an argument. Like, we're not this guy. But it was immediately that, like, hey, everybody, right. look at this dummy. He He's on the other side. Get him, you know? And and that's what it was. And I was like, I gotta get out of here. That was like when I left Twitter. I was like, this is I can't do this anymore. Like, this is we're not we're not almost talking to each other. But I really think that's what it is. Is um, social media 
is, is, is contributing to a lot of miscommunication. We don't have a division problem in, in the United States. This, this is probably the most just like important like thing I could say on here as far as point that I'm trying to get across. We do not have a division problem in America or, or even like in Christianity, in, in, in our di discourse in Christianity. We have a communication problem, mm. right? We don't have a division problem. We have a communication problem, right? It's we've always been divided. People have been divided. Right. We've been more divided than we are, and and division in, in some in some circumstances is good. We should be right. divided on these things, right? Um, there's not this relative truth inclusion of everybody's right and whatever. No, some are right and some are wrong, and that's okay. Like we have truth. Truth exists, and you can know it or not know it. And that, that's dividing. Every, anytime you're making a truth claim, you're making division claims. And that's just natural. Well, the I problem think is communication. Yes. Communication with those divisions. Well, one of the things you just said really struck me because, <laughs> you know, you can be right or you can be wrong, and that's okay. Like Billy Joel. Huh? You might be right. I hate Billy Joel so much. Oh, come on. But I might be wrong. I don't know. But, you know, another thing we lost is not just, uh, not just the ability to communicate, but the ability to be humble and consider that we might be wrong. Yeah. Like, you can't, you can't have a debate with two sides who aren't willing to be rational enough to concede a point to the other. Right. Like, if we're, if we're both going in guns blazing, like, there's absolutely no way I'm wrong. We're never going to reach any kind of conclusion. And, That's you know, right. yeah. Well, I think because people aren't pursuing truth. We're yes. pursuing. We're, we're just trying to like make our point and be and and win with our point. We're not actually trying to seek truth. You know, we're trying to seek truth. It's like you'll hear something you didn't hear before, or or like something that really like um, chips away at your your ideology or whatever, and be like, wow, I never heard that argument before. Right. You know, and that's something I you know I credit Christopher Hitchens. Well, the whole he said the whole reason he did that debate with with Doug Wilson, because he, he does a bunch of debates with Christians and. Muslims and theists and, and you know, God-believing people all the time. And it's the only reason he did it with Doug Wilson is because he had never heard the, the parable of the Good Samaritan being uh, with the cultural aspect of it, right? Mm. Of like, right? Wasn't that the thing right. that he said of like, you know, I, I've never heard, heard it put that way of like these cultures hated each other and he helped them anyway. And that was, right. he never like heard it like presented that way. And so he thought, Okay, I, I can go back and forth with with Doug Wilson, and that's 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 an open mind. Like that's mm. a a good, it's a working mind, you know. What's really cool in the movie too, when you watch Collision, there's there's segments where they're just in a pub talking about things, yeah. and they're talking about eschatology. I don't know why they just kind of show the clip a little out of context, and Wilson starts saying his eschatological position, and Hitchens has this look on his face, like, "What did you say?" Like yeah. it was a thing he never in his life heard anyone say before. And it was like intriguing and captivating in a way. Yeah, well, he's, he's just talking about the typical dispensational premillennial right. mythology that he's heard from every other Christian, you know, about the rapture and Armageddon and all these things. And bro, yeah, I know, it's got the foam. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he he mentioned that in passing as like all Christians believe it. And Bill Chris right. like, well, actually, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and he was like, what? And then. Doug Wilson gives a very brief like mm -hmm. explanation of what his es post millennial eschatology, and Christopher didn't really know what to do with that. He was right. like, "Well, Jerry Jerry Falwell will would disagree with you." And he's like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> <laughs> and Doug Wilson was like, I, "I disagree with Jerry Falwell about many many number of things." <laughs> I think about that kind of stuff too when we talk and just reform doctrine in general. Like, 
I didn't come out the gate reform and I didn't come out the gate post-millennial, you know? And if it wasn't for somebody making a point that I had never heard and me being willing to consider it, I'd probably still be there. And what's weird to me is that a lot of people are like that. And then when they get to that point, they lose the ability to do that. Well, it's the rage cage stage. Yeah, well, but it seems like it never ends. Like you don't ever get out of the cage. Well, if you stay on a bunch of reformed social media pages, you don't. You get that like that that mob mentality of just like getting yeah. fired up and like I get points for just staying on this soteriology topic and just owning the free will people mm-hmm. and just like you're you're an idiot. You don't read the Bible. You don't know what Romans nine means. You don't uh, you know. And it's just like I and that that was something that 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 I a, a, a difference that I noticed with reform theology was that these people are taking the Bible very seriously and, and taking scripture very seriously rather than just going along with some Christian idea that logically makes sense. But I feel like a lot of typical evangelical Christianity in America is, you know, and that the idea of free will and autonomy and like, that's a good thing. And God loves us to give us free will. And that makes sense because if he, he can't love robots and that just makes sense. And, but there's none of that scriptural, like, the, like what, show me the verse where it says that. Right. So that's what it comes down to. And I really liked that. Like we're, they're, they're just falling on scripture every time. So, but, but it does puff up. It does get yes. that like, oh, well, I know what these things are really about. And I, 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 I'm enlightened kind of right. thing. You know, you're, you're still stuck in your American evangelical gospel and you need to whatever, like do some research or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> which may be true, but, but that's not a, that's not a, we, we can't use that as a club to beat other brothers and sisters of right. Christian, Christianity with, you know, and that's what happens. <laughs> and the other side, you know, both sides are guilty of, I think, falling back on the, it's kind of the, um, the way sort of the way that secularism works too, where if, if you're part of this group, if they've ever done anything wrong in the past, then you're wrong in the present. Uh, I was having a discussion with somebody about end time stuff. We were talking about, you know, that kind of thing. And I asked them how they understood election and not in like a, a confrontational way. We were talking about, you know, because th- they hold to, they, they said they didn't have a position, but they could kind of help to premillennialism. And, you know, so we were talking about Israel and th- that always comes up in that discussion. It's like, well, who is Israel? Like yeah. we're talking about Israel. How do you define that? So I asked, how do you understand election going into the Old Testament? And they resorted to this like, well, the reformers tended to be anti-Semitic. So if you hold to their doctrine, you must be anti-Semitic. And I was like, whoa, way to poison the well before we get started. Right. Yeah. But I mean, the the um, reform people have a tendency to do that, too. Like if you hold to you know, if you hold to any kind of charismatic doctrine, they can pull out. Michael Brown is one of those guys. I, I, I really like Dr. Michael Brown. He does a lot of good work. He's, you know, solid stuff on salvation, particularly the Jewish aspects of salvation and how Jesus does. Yeah. Yeah, really Really good. But because he's charismatic, anybody who is charismatic or who he's been associated with, they'll pull that out and be like, well, he's immediately disqualified because of that. Yeah. Any kind of uh, charismatic anything, it's, well, he's out. He must be. He must be crazy. Yeah, which is amazing because uh, he's like best friends with James White, right? Yeah. <laughs> a raging Hellenist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the video where they're uh, they're taking turns punching bags with each other? <laughs> Doctor like, White has the gloves on, and uh, is it real? Like they're actually yeah, like. Doc- Dr. Brown's holding a pad for him and he's punching it. And God. Uh, Dr. White's hitting the bag and he's saying, like, this is for God's good pleasure. I was destined to do this. 
<laughs> and then they switch and Dr. Brown has the gloves and he's saying, I'm choosing to do this to you. As he's, <laughs> like, it's just kind of a goofy joke. They can like poke fun at each other. Like right, this, exactly. this open-handed issue. Mm-hmm. I think that's the problem is that like, especially like coming to reform theology, it didn't feel like an open hand issue. When we call it an open hand issue, it's like, it, it, it feels like it, um, diminishes the importance or significance of it and so we don't want to call, we don't want to say that we don't want to say like this is something we can just joke about or agree to right. disagree on like this is real because like and not coming not being raised in a reformed theology and then coming to it and just having it blow the back of your head right off it's like that was just such like god is sovereign and you know predestination and the elect and the covenant and the whole thing is just like oh my gosh it just makes so much sense and it's, it's so true and yeah and so we just take it so seriously because of how it affected our christianity and how we felt like it grew and refreshed our christianity that to joke about it and just to say it's agree to disagree is like well then why did it blow me away so much like why did it and, and why does it not blow other people away you know like we want everybody to have the same experience with these doctrines that that we had but i don't know like it's just and i think reform people more than anybody should understand that these are, things are happening according to the pleasure of god's will right right <laughs> it's like why do i understand reform doctrine it, it blew me away but not this person it's like because that was god's will for you and not them like hello <laughs> Not because they haven't, you know, read read enough. Man, and right. you know, one of the things that we, a uh, thing that I think would be good that Dr. White and Dr. Brown, they've debated each other, and they've debated together against other people in defense of the faith. Yeah, and we like we really don't have the ability to do that. I don't think debate, debate's, a, debate's a bad word. Right? Yeah, it's, it's like debate has become like, ooh, no, that's too, that's too divisive. That's to, we need to be inclusive. And that's why I think division isn't, we shouldn't be so afraid of the word division or debate or yes. like just like differences. But I, I think our communication has become so poor that mm. we can't even talk in cat again in categories because, well, then we're just, that causes strife. That's that, you know, what Paul is talking about, like, you know, uh, ignorant controversies and, and breeds quarrels. We don't, so then just, don't so then so then we go we, we compensate too far and we don't ever talk about anything that that might be divisive because we don't want to split the church or we don't want to whatever but i think if we, it's done in a proper if it's communicated in a proper way then then we can have these agree to disagree discussions on some of these open-handed issues uh without getting so bent out of shape about it and taking it so personally and but the problem is we do most of this communication over social media which is just right. the poorest way to communicate with each other. So it's not, again, it's not a division issue. It's a communication. Right. Issue. And I don't want to sound either like we're completely opposed to any kind of division. Uh, Cause we did talk about, it. I'm gonna put this up on the screen now, but we did talk about how there is a biblical, you know, category for dividing and for right. when there is a time to divide and to say, that's not orthodoxy. That's not correct. You need to repent of that. Yeah. The, the difference is it's the, like the same when, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Like, you know, what is worthy of dividing over, what is worth fighting over, uh, and what's not. That's where it gets tricky. Yeah. This is this is Jesus' words in Luke 12. I came to cast fire on the earth and wood, and wood that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I came to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For 
from now on in one house there will be five divided three against two and two against three they will be divided father against son and son against father mother against daughter and daughter against mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against right. mother-in-law it's a lot of division and you know it's like well i thought he was the prince of peace it's like yeah peace with god and that's right. you know so like there is that correction there but again he's claiming to be the truth and you know no one comes to the father but through me okay that's going to cause some division especially among other religious believing people right you know so and it's I like mean, that's the point jesus was the i mean he he talks about fathers against mothers and or fathers against children and whatnot that was you know that was him your your mother and brothers are here to get me and he says who are my mother and my brothers and ones yeah. who hear the word of god and follow like yeah. he, he put that line down hard all the time. Yeah. So it's not like we're saying there's never a time to divide, but I think we think every time is the time to divide. Yeah. And, and again, what, what you're talking about is divisive. Jesus. Right. Jesus is divisive. Mm -hmm. Baptism's not, you know what I mean? Like that, yes. Jesus is divisive in that, and he should be. Like that should be that truth claim of like Jesus isn't just true or the truth. If you believe it and you do you, I'll do me, whatever, and everything's good. No, there is truth and it exists and it is Jesus Christ. And so he, no one comes to the Father but through him. That's divisive. It's exclusive. Mm. And right. so, but, but it's the truth. And so that, so that just, that needs to be told and that, that is the gospel. But it, the, 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 the beauty of that is that there is a way to God. Right. right. Jesus says, I, no one comes to the Father but through me. What we should take away from that is what? I can come to the Father? What I can come to God, I can have peace with God. I can have a peaceful relationship with God instead of a relationship of wrath and condemnation through Christ. It's like He's the only door. Our our response to that should be, thank God, there's a door. Mm. <laughs> thank you know, rather than like there's only one. How dare you? No, there's a door. There's there's a way. Is the way you know, and we should be blown away that there is a way. So that, and I think when we can become Christians, that's the regeneration and the renewing of our mind that happens in right. that, that we understand that the, the grace of God to allow one person into heaven, you know? Right. And the, mistake, <laughs> the mistake we make is we start to put fences around that door and we start, we have the velvet rope and we start to check credentials. Yeah. Like, well, before we talk about, let me, let me know what you believe about baptism. How do you feel about the gifts? What, you know, do you speak in tongues? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I saw you raise your hand. You know, singing. <laughs> You're a little crazy. Those hands go in the pockets. All right. You can touch you the back of the chair, but that's the most you can get. You can do some one of these. You can do one of these down by your waist, you know, or one of this, but not. Higher than that. It's so here. You have to, We're getting yeah. close to a revival. Yeah. So, yeah, as far as debate, like, in, in communication, we really do have a communication because, like, when, when I was on Facebook, I, we would see it. And I remember talking with somebody. Um, I mean, the guy, I forget his name, I think it was Gavin or something, that he was like either in seminary or about to go to seminary. Really smart guy, reformed, uh, really, really cool. But I think he was really entrenched in, he was like the best example of the worst. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he was like, he, he, would, he was owning people left and right. And he knew a lot. And he was really, I think he was really uh, graceful too, but he just spent a lot of time in these reform pages, just mm. debating people and arguing people. And I remember he was he was saying something, and he talked about a, a debate he had about soteriology or something one time. And he said, "Oh, he said, yeah, I had a debate last Thursday with someone, uh, and you know about this, and we talked about." It. And I was like, "Hey, could you have a link to that debate? Like, that's cool. We had a debate." And he's like, right. "Yeah, yeah." And he sends me a link, and it was a link to the Facebook post 
that had his debate <laughs> in the comment section. And I was, I'm like, where's the debate? It's just his post. And then it was like, he's like, it's in the comments. And I'm like, that's not a debate. That's not mm -hmm. a, I'm thinking like a James White, you know, Christopher Hitchens, like formalized timed debate. And it was filmed or something like we do with the Catholic guy, you know, mm -hmm. and like a real like formal debate. And, but it was like a Facebook fight. And I was like, that's not a debate, but that's a debate in people's head. It's like, I had a, had a uh, constructive discourse with someone and there it is like, no, you didn't. You had a Facebook fight in the comment section and 10 people jumped in and, and speaking over each other. And, you know, yeah. You know, I, I think like you said too, we tend to get, uh, one, I've talked about this with some friends of mine that also hold to reform ideas. We tend to get so caught up in the academia of it. And, and the, it does kind of come from a boastful position. Like, well, I've read this and I understand this and I've studied this and I speak Greek and we lose the gracefulness to have that conversation with each other in love. Uh, yeah. so, you know, I just wanted to put this from first uh, Corinthians two. And when I came to you brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. And, you know, like you said, uh, of all people, reform people should understand that it's not my good argument that's going to win you over. It's yeah. the will of God that's going to win you over. Yeah. But we, I, we think if yeah. we argue better or harder, if we, if we dunk on you hard enough, you'll just abandon your position. Yeah. And, and this shouldn't be an either or, you mm. know, like head or heart yes. approach to this. It's a both and. You know, and like that's the you know it shouldn't just be all experiential feelings and 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 just like you know my my testimony, but never the gospel of Jesus. Like, but it also shouldn't be just like deep theology, doctrine, you know, right. academic stuff either. It should be both. And I read that recently in yeah, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, I did. I read it like where he's talk. Or I think it was table talk where he's saying um, it's not both and. It's or it's not either or. It's both and. And he's saying how like uh, the, the the light you mean you're enlightened as a, like your mind, and then but also with the heat of of mm. the feeling of the heart. So it's like be a light that brings heat as well. You know, enlighten people's minds, but with a heat that draws their heart as well. You know, because you have PhDs in theology who are not Christians. You know, like Christopher, Christopher Hitchens probably knows the Bible better than you do. You know? Oh yeah. So it's like he's not a Christian. So, so it doesn't matter what you know. It's, it's, it, it. In that sense, it's, it's who you know and what type of knowledge. Because right. everyone knows there's a God, but not, not, not everyone has a saving knowledge mm. of God. And that's the heart. That's the, it's our heart that's regenerated. Mm. And our minds that are renewed. You know, and we're called to love the Lord with our heart, our mind. Right. So, right. both of those things, not one or the other. So, cool. I think that's a good place to stop on. And I, I think you know, we, we. Like we said, we want to caution. We we do want to caution against unnecessary divisions, but we also want to caution against the big group hug of everybody's in. It's just right. that, that wisdom of one being able to communicate without hate, and two yeah. being able to uh, disagree without disfellowshipping. I think is yeah. important. It is a communication issue because you know when we were before we did the Catholic debate, we were trying to like draw people out to have like a real like this, like to come on the podcast talk about things and there were several times when we were going back and forth with someone who who seemed to know a lot and, and kind of could articulate their, their position pretty well just at least over comments and the invitation was extended and it's like 
hey, do you want to come on the podcast and like just actually talk about these things and have a discussion face to face in person rather than just on the comment section? And I remember asking someone that, and they said, uh, no. Uh, and, this, and this is after thirty comments mm-hmm. back and forth. I'm like, obviously have a lot to say, and they were like, no, uh, I like it better on here, and mm-hmm. so I can research and look up and take my time or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but you're not talking to a human being. You're not. You're not having a real like discourse. And um, I remember Ernie. You know, it was kind of like the president of the Time and Place fan club. But, uh, <laughs> our faithful follower who we haven't seen in a while, but uh, he like randomly messaged me uh, because I've been on Facebook, but he, I have my messenger still on. So he direct messaged me questions and like, Oh, you know, you like James White? And I was like, yeah, he's like, that makes sense. And I'm like, well, yeah. And <laughs> he's talking about how much I like Leighton Flowers. I'm like, well, of course. Oh, you would, you know? guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so it, it, it was, it was, it was better than any other communication we've ever had, like just on comments and posts and stuff that we've had. Uh, cause it was private. And then also he, we were kind of going back and forth and he's like, you know, I was busy or whatever. And so I just, I said, Hey, can you call me on the phone? Right. And he was like, uh, yeah, like, but it was kind of weird. And so I gave my phone number and he called me and, uh, man, like that, I felt like I met him for the first time. Like we've been going back on fa- Facebook and I've you know seen his videos, he sees ours, we comments and everything. Right. But speaking on the phone, like I, I felt it, there is, I, I, it's hard to explain. There is just that human connection with a voice mm. and a tone and a hearing and there's more senses involved than just the fingertips. And so and in person it would be even better, but but just even on the phone, just having that tone of voice, having that pacing of, of speech and talking and stuff, just humanized the conversation so much. And the, the communication was, was boosted so much just by actually that human contact. Uh, then, then over Facebook, and we had a great conversation, a really great conversation. Disagreed the entire time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Disagreed about almost everything, but it was like a, there was blood in it. You know, there was there was humanity in it. There was realness into it. You know, but I think that's just the communication was improved. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we got to get on social media. We got to start talking face to face. I know quarantine, we can't. You know, but like in any other circumstance. All, all things being equal, we could talk in person and go right. for coffee, get, come over for dinner. Let's have a discussion. You know, that was another thing too. I had, uh, you know, if I should say, but someone I, I was speaking, you know, constantly posting like political things and like super woke progressive kind of stuff. And I, I knew this person kind of like, I don't think they really know what they're talking about. So I, I, I texted like, Hey, do you want, uh, you want to come over and Lauren, Lauren will, will cook dinner and have, you know, as a college student, we know a family member. I was like, hey, have a home cooked meal, you know, come over, we'll discuss some of these things and really have a conversation about this. Nope. It wasn't. It was safe to just throw a post on Facebook right. and then just like, I can delete any comment I don't like, you know. But that's not that's not communication. That's not how the real world works. You know, you're eventually gonna have to express your ideas and hear other people's ideas in person. But we've become so unable to do that that we just fall apart, or that's hate speech, or this is offensive. And so that way disagreeing is hate speech. Well, yes. it's like, no, it's just, that's just what we, we have to be able to disagree. We have to be able to, to communicate. And that's a communication issue, not a division issue. We've always been divided. And in, right. in a lot of circumstances, we should be divided. But we have to be able to talk about it civilly. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyone who sees us and, and disagrees and thinks oh, they're off, keep that in mind. We're willing to have anybody on and talk about it. Like, we're not closed off to the idea of having somebody on here to tell us why they think we're wrong and answer back. We're totally open to that idea. So yeah, 
always there. For sure. Cool. So since Solomon's a nerd and he's puffed up and reads books, uh, <laughs> we wanted to end with a little book recommendation from Solomon. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and, and I want to start, I'm going to start doing book reviews also. Like I have my, my Facebook book, uh, book blog page, um, that I'm going to be more active on and stuff as far as just, just posting. Um, what's the name of it? So we can, I think it's just Solomon's book blog. I have a few on there, but, uh, it's gonna be like quick little like reviews or recommendations. But, um, so the first one I do is knowing God by J.I. Packer. Um, Really great. You know what? I feel bad because right after I read this, he died. Yeah. <laughs> Several months ago, he died like earlier this year. <laughs> I never read this book. I never read anything by Jeff Packer. And, yeah, that's what I was keeping alive. Uh, but I, <laughs> I, I always this, this this book is a highly prolific book into Christianity, like great, you know, like mere Christianity, desiring God, like knowing God, but Jeff Packer is a really big one. Um, and so I was always on my shelf to read, so I finally read it. He died. So yeah. it's kind of like a friend. The first time we saw Godfather, Marlon Brando died <laughs> like that week. <laughs> so don't read anything, don't watch anything. Know, be careful. <laughs> You've been putting if you have an author or something you've been putting off, like maybe don't read it yet. Or like say a prayer for him for you read it right. But um yeah, uh knowing God by Jay Packard. This is one of those uh kind of tent poles of of Christian literature that I mean it just kind of covers everything. It's like Moby Dick, you know, it's like what's it about? It's like it's about everything. Like <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it's it's uh just different sections too. Behold your God, if, if God be for us. Um, let me see. So, like, there's these sections. Sorry. Uh, the, the study of God, the people who know their God, knowing and being known, the only true God, God incarnate, uh, the majesty of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the wrath of God, the jealous God, the sons of God, uh, the adequacy of, I mean, the heart of the gospel. I mean, this, like, literally is just everything. So, uh, and it's, you know, less than 300 pages, really great book. Um, it's kind of hard to just say one word about it, but I mean, it's, it's a, it's a survey of, of like kind of like a lot of things we're talking about as far as God's sovereignty, God's, um, uh, the authority of scripture, um, it's just all encompassing. I can't, you know, did you come out with a new understanding about anything or a new perspective on anything after finishing it? Um, yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some sections, you know, it's kind of like one of those books you want to underline every page, you know, <laughs> the whole book is highlighted. Um, you know, he talks about like knowing God, how there's a difference. Um, so he says like, but when one gets to living things, knowing them becomes a good deal more complicated. One does not know a living thing till one knows not merely its past history, but how it is likely to react and behave under specific circumstances. A person who says, I know this horse, normally means not just I've seen it before, mm. though the way we use the words, he might mean only that. More probably, however, he means I know how it behaves and can tell you how it ought to be handled. Such knowledge comes only through some prior acquaintance with the horse, seeing it in action and trying to handle it oneself. So there is that idea of like, well, you know, Christopher Hitchens knows God and knows about God. He may know more about God than you do. Um 
in, in you know Romans one, we all, all, we're all created. Uh, we, we're all born knowing God by the created world around us. So we're without, without excuse, right. right? It's just that saving knowledge of God. We've exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship the created thing rather than the Creator, mm-hmm. right? So there is a difference between like just knowing that there is a God and having right. a saving knowledge of God. And even that, saying it's not just the head or the heart. It's both. <laughs> Right. And it's like the, the idea of predestination and, and foreknowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. That's something that um, gets misconstrued by not, you know, again, I don't want to make it like a div- division you know, thing, but it's like the foreknowledge of God is not God looking down the tunnels of time and knowing something that's going to happen. Every time the word foreknowledge is used in the Bible, he's talking about a group of people, a person or group of people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that knowledge he's talking about and when, when he's using the word foreknowledge is how Adam knew Eve to bear a son. Right. It's a it's a relational inter, you know, thing. It's not an, an, a cognitive awareness. It is a relational, a, you know, foreknowledge is a pre-relationship with Israel, with, you know, those predestined to become Christians. Um, so that's how we're going to know God. And like, so it really does give it goes into that. It goes into that whole idea of like knowing God just doesn't mean you have a Ph.D. in theology. It means you have a saving knowledge of God and how he reacts and how how to come to ex- expect him to react and that's a lot of what christianity is is knowing who god is knowing who what man is and the relationship between the two mm. so knowing god jai packer amazing book it's not too big it's a, it's a it, it it blows through you you it, it's compelling it's intriguing um but yeah it's definitely uh one every christian ought to read and ought to have in their in their library yeah i definitely recommend Cool. So thanks everyone for coming back with us. Uh, we tried to keep it a little bit more streamlined this week. I think we did a better job. Yeah. Hopefully not getting any points this week. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, thanks for joining us. Hopefully we'll see you guys next time. Same time, same place. Uh, leave us a comment, drop us a like, subscribe. If you're on YouTube, uh, if you're on Facebook, find us on YouTube or Instagram. We're on everything. Follow us. So until next time, peace. Yep. Yeah.